98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. The government gives itself the power to impose temporary lockdowns on coronavirus hit areas. Restaurants are to close by six and more businesses like gyms and beauty salons are ordered to shut as COVID-19 cases continue to surge and police arrest a former director and an employee of a local church that helped mediate between officers and protesters. The Executive Council has approved a legal framework that gives officials the power to seal off areas hit by COVID-19 outbreaks for up to a week until everyone there is tested. It follows reports that several people moved out of the Kwaishing West estate amid a growing cluster of coronavirus cases. Health Secretary Sophia Chan explained how it would work. For example, within a, a certain premises that there are uh, high risk that a number of people are confirmed or uh, suspect uh, to be confirmed uh, cases and therefore uh, to issue a restricting testing declaration to restrict the movement of persons into and out of the premises. So basically, we want to stop the movement of this person so that this person who are suspected to have a risk of uh, transmitting the disease to others uh, would be restricting, uh, restricting the movement of this person. Professor Chan also appealed to the public to celebrate the winter solstice and Christmas quietly this year, avoiding gatherings. She made the comments as she announced that a ban on dining services at restaurants after six in the evening would take effect on Thursday. Venues including gyms and beauty salons will also be shut. The new rules will be in place for two weeks until the 23rd of this month. However, Professor Chan said it would be difficult to restrict gatherings in private places. I understand internationally, uh, in other places, you know, they are having like family bubbles and bubbles of family circles, uh, etc. And so therefore, I think uh, any cross-family, uh, uh, cross-friends uh, type of uh, activity is not encouraged because uh, this would increase the risk. Imposition of the new control measures is forcing many Hong Kongers to rethink their festive season, although most people RTHK spoke to in Tamar Park were not surprised. Katie, a student, says she'll make new plans. I kind of anticipated they would start closing parlors, so I went to do everything before they closed. The dining rule for like restaurants at 6 p.m. as well, that kind of sucks because um, my brother's girlfriend's birthday is actually on Christmas and we were going to maybe go out for an, like a dinner somewhere, but because of the dining rule, we can't really do that anymore. So, like I said, we'll probably just stay at home. Health authorities say infection control specialists are being sent to check a quarantine facility at the Asia World Expo after nine more healthcare staff came down with COVID-19. Dr. Chuan Shuk Kwan from the Centre for Health Protection says the team will review practices at the site. She says many of the people being quarantined are from a home for disabled people. It's very difficult for them to handle them because they may not be very cooperative and most of them eventually become infected. So the staff may have to have very close contact with them if there's any lapse in the infection control measures or the practice, they may get infected just like the other residential care homes in Hong Kong or the disabled homes. When there's an outbreak, you'll find that there are lots of staff as well as uh, residents uh, being infected. Officials reported 100 new coronavirus cases today. 95 were locally acquired, of which 27 have no clear source. Police have arrested a former director and an employee of a local church that helped mediate between officers and anti-government protesters during last year's unrest on suspicion of fraud and money laundering. Timmy Sung has the details. 
Detectives alleged that the Good Neighborhood North District Church had raised $27 million through a number of crowdfunding drives between June last year and September this year, but publicly stated that they raised less than a third of this amount. Police say $25 million in five bank accounts have been frozen as part of its investigation. And two other people, the church's director and secretary, both of whom are said to have left Hong Kong in October, are wanted in connection with the investigation. Acting Superintendent Chao Chen Yao told reporters that while no one had come forward to complain about alleged fraud, police believed the suspects may have exploited people's generosity in the name of religion and helping young people. He said officers would investigate the money flow. Hours before police announced the arrests, a pastor of the church, Roy Chen, who has travelled to the UK with his wife, said he now fears it would be impossible for them to return to Hong Kong due to safety concerns. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past eleven. Police have laid charges against eight pro-democracy activists, including three former lawmakers, over their alleged involvement in unauthorised protests on July the 1st. Priscilla Ong with the details. Officers rounded up former lawmakers Wu Chi Wai from the Democratic Party and Xu Hoi Dick, along with district councillors Andy Choi and Lancelot Chen, and four members of the League of Social Democrats in the morning. Police are alleging that the suspects had incited people to take part in unauthorized protests on July the 1st, and some of them also organized and led a march in Wan Chai. Large crowds took to the streets of Hong Kong Island on July 1st, even though the police refused to grant permission for a demonstration against the national security law, which came into force the night before. All the suspects were released on bail before their first court appearance scheduled for December the 17th. The doctor who killed a patient after injecting her with contaminated blood products during a beauty procedure has been jailed for three and a half years. Wang Yingting reports. Elaine Mack was last week found guilty of gross negligence manslaughter by a high court jury in a retrial of the case. The 39-year-old had given a contaminated blood infusion to the victim Chen Yun Lam at the DR Beauty Clinic in October 2012. Chen died of septic shock and multiple organ failure a week later. The founder of the DR Beauty Group, Stephen Chow, who came up with the treatment and the technician who handled the blood product, Chen Kun Chong, were sentenced to 12 and 10 years, respectively, for the same offense in the original trial in 2017. But the first jury could not reach a valid verdict on Mac. In sentencing, Justice Juliana Barnes said the doctor had not explained the effects or risks of the treatment. The judge said if the victim had known about the risks, she might not have undergone the procedure. Barnes also said that the defendant was an inexperienced doctor at the time, and that she had misguided loyalty to Chow. The judge said she had reduced the sentence from a starting point of 4.5 years after considering various factors, including Max remorse, the depression and gastritis she suffered as a result of the legal proceedings and the fact that her career as a doctor would probably come to an end after this case. A man who stabbed his former girlfriend to death on a bus three years ago has been convicted of murder, Timmy Sung reports. Ng Yankin, now 25, admitted to manslaughter in the killing of his former girlfriend, Lee Sin Heng. But the prosecution had rejected defence claims that he had been mentally unstable. 
Now, after a 36-day trial, a high court jury has unanimously convicted him of murder. The court had heard that Ng had been upset that the victim had joined an orientation camp at her university. He then threatened to post their sex videos online after she broke up with him. Then, on September 16, 2017, Ng slashed the victim more than 30 times while they were on a double-decker bus near Taiwan. He then slashed himself and jumped off the vehicle through a window, but survived. The judge said the only sentencing option for murder is life imprisonment, but she will give the defence time for mitigation. Sentencing has been adjourned to after January the 14th, with the exact date to be set later. The coroner's court has adjourned its inquest into the death of university student Chelsea Locke, who fell from a car park during anti-government protests. The hearing will resume on Monday after the Fire Services Department said it needs time to seek legal representation from the Department of Justice. Priscilla Ong reports. The coroner, David Coe, said the court planned to spend a day viewing more surveillance camera footage from the multi-story car park building. In addition to footage from 35 movable cameras, footage was also found from four fixed cameras. Last Thursday, the coroner listed the fire services department as an interested party after he believed he'd found footage capturing the moment when the deceased fell from the Chengkwano car park. Mr. Coe said since the hearing was to be adjourned for a week, it was certain the inquest wouldn't finish on schedule next week. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has dismissed concerns that people may lose faith in Hong Kong's banking system after ex-lawmaker Ted Hoy complained that his family accounts were frozen. Police said Mr Hoy, who went into exile while on bail for protest-related offences, may have embezzled funds raised to pay for private prosecutions and could have transferred the money to his relatives, a claim Mr Hoy denies. Chief Executive questioned his integrity, calling him an absconder who lied in court. I asked this question, is this individual a trustworthy uh, individual that you should take his words on face value and uh, accuse the Hong Kong financial institutions for doing things which are not in accordance with the law? So uh, if there is any damage to Hong Kong's financial institutions, uh, the culprit is this individual. But I can assure you that Hong Kong's monetary and financial systems are as robust as ever. A Hong Kong clergyman says his family has been left penniless and stuck in Britain after the HSBC bank was frozen. Pastor Roy Chan said his good neighbourhood North District Church, whose volunteers acted as buffer between police and protesters during last year's unrest, has also had its account frozen. He says the freezing is nothing more than political retaliation and he's now scared to return, even if he could afford the flight. Right now my family doesn't have a penny. I have a child who is seven months old. I really don't know how we can carry on living. I want to say that we only wanted to serve the grassroots, to spread God's messages, to care about the needy. But right now, it is the government and the bank which are politicizing us and barring us from being the peaceful and rational protesters we have always been. We are being forced into a predicament by politics. I had wanted to take a sabbatical here, but now I think it's not possible. I think, against my will, I won't be able to return to Hong Kong, my home. Student union leader at Baptist University has been released on bail after appearing in court accused of possessing offensive weapons, namely laser pointers. Keith Fong, 22, is also accused of perverting the course of justice by allegedly clearing his mobile phone and resisting arrest. He was arrested last week for a second time over laser pointers. He was allegedly caught with in Sam Po in August last year. 
The student wasn't required to enter a plea at West Calhoun Court and the case was adjourned for three weeks while the prosecution applies to have the proceedings transferred to the district court. He was released on $10,000 bail and was ordered to surrender his travel documents and observe a curfew. Security guard has been arrested for allegedly posting a message online calling on people to kill senior police officers. The force says the message was widely circulated before being deleted. The 50-year-old is suspected of incitement to inflict grievous bodily harm with intent, which carries a maximum sentence of life imprisonment. Chief Inspector Fan Chun Yip of the police's cyber security unit says the force respects freedom of speech, but that freedom is not absolute. The police noticed a letterson abusing the Facebook to spread violence, hatred, which incited others to raid into the police headquarters and attack the senior management of the force. A survey from the Education University suggests there's now greater empathy for asylum seekers and refugees in Hong Kong. Development researchers have linked to last year's social unrest. Of the 1,000 respondents to the survey commissioned by the University's Department of Asian and Policy Studies, 74% say they hold a neutral attitude towards asylum seekers and refugees. That's 10% higher than was recorded in the department's last survey in 2018. The percentage of people who held a negative attitude towards these groups also fell from 26% to 16%. Principal investigator Dr Isabella Ung says these were staggering shifts in attitude. A lot of these people probably, they project this kind of situation, like if I were an asylum seeker going out, what would happen to me? So in a sense, this helps to probably explain why the people, instead of feeling sympathetic, that they are feeling empathetic. They are feeling empathetic towards the group, like what would happen, consider the current turmoil happening in Hong Kong. A 90-year-old British woman has become the first person in the world to be given a fully tested vaccine against COVID-19. Margaret Keenan was the Pfizer-BioNTech, took the, took the Pfizer-BioNTech jab as the UK began the biggest vaccination programme the country has ever undertaken. BBC's Keith Doyle has this report. This is the moment the world has been waiting for. The first person to be vaccinated with the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine as part of the mass vaccination program. 90-year-old Margaret Keenan received the injection at University Hospital Coventry and Warwickshire this morning. This simple injection marks the start of a mass program aiming to protect the most vulnerable and return life to normal. Margaret, known as Maggie, is 91 next week and said this is the best early birthday present she could wish for. This is for a good cause, so I'm so pleased I had it done. Two doses will be needed, 21 days apart. Mind of our top story tonight, the government gives itself the power to impose temporary lockdowns on coronavirus-hit areas. Restaurants are to close by six and more businesses like gyms and beauty salons are ordered to shut as COVID-19 cases continue to surge. Police arrest a former director and an employee of a local church that helps mediate between officers and protesters. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. The government now has the power to seal off areas hit by COVID-19 for up to seven days until tests are done on those who are affected. During that time, people will have to stay in those areas. The move comes amid suggestions that Kwai Shing West Estate, where an outbreak has erupted, may be sealed off. But the government insisted no final decision had been made. Wendy Wong reports. The Executive Council has approved a legal framework that gives officials the power to seal off areas hit by COVID outbreaks. 
Secretary for Food and Health Sophia Chan told the news conference that people would be asked to undergo mandatory testing and stay in the areas until all test results come back. She said health officials would make risk assessments and determine which areas need to be sealed off and for how long in order to stop virus transmissions. For example, within a, a certain premises that there are uh, high risk that a number of people are confirmed or, or suspect uh, to be confirmed uh, cases and therefore to issue a restricting testing declaration to restrict the movement of persons into and out of the premises. So basically we want to stop the movement of this person so that this person who are suspected to have a risk of transmitting the disease to others uh, would be restricting, uh, restricting the movement of this person. The health chief said authorities would provide food and basic necessities to those ordered to stay in the areas when necessary. She did not rule out sealing off Kwai Ching West Estate but said no final decision has been made. On tighter government coronavirus restrictions, Professor Chan said the ban on dining services at restaurants after 6 p.m. will take effect on Thursday and last 14 days. There can be no more than two people at each table, and the overall capacity is limited to 50%. More venues have also been ordered to shut during the period, including gyms, beauty salons and massage parlors. Professor Chan appealed to the people of Hong Kong to avoid gatherings and parties during Christmas as the latest wave of COVID-19 infections shows no sign of abating. She said mixing between households should be avoided. I understand internationally, uh, in other places, you know, they are having like family bubbles and, and so therefore I think uh, any cross-family, uh, uh, cross-friends uh, type of activity is not encouraged because uh, this would increase the risk. Speaking before the Executive Council meeting in the morning, Chief Executive Carrie Lam also said the latest COVID-19 curbs were intended to further reduce the number of people going out. As we heard there, the government hasn't decided whether or not to put the coronavirus hit Kwai Shing West Estate on lockdown for now. But some residents there told RTHK they would accept such an arrangement. Timmy Sung reports. Around 20 residents of Block 8 at the Kwaisheng West Estate in Kwaichong have tested positive for the virus in recent days, with most of them living on the same floor. Chinese university medical expert David Koi has called on the government to consider sealing off the estate if further cases emerge in different blocks. The Executive Council has now agreed a legal framework allowing for a seven-day lockdown to be imposed in COVID-hit areas, with people to be allowed to leave only if they test negative for the virus. Speaking ahead of the EXCO meeting, Chief Executive Carrie Lam acknowledged that her administration could have acted more quickly. If we could do better is if we could speed up the making of a particular piece of legislation, which we will do, then uh, my colleagues in the public health authority will have better legal basis uh, to tackle that situation. So uh, that is the thing that we could have done uh, better. But I hope you realize that first is we are in a very hectic situation since this wave uh, hit us in the latter part of November. A resident surnamed Chu said if a lockdown is what is required, she would accept it. If the estate has to be sealed off, it means it's a big deal. It means things are getting out of control. It can't be helped. If the government says it would impose a lockdown at the estate, we have to accept it. We have fought the pandemic for more than a year now and it's still not resolved. It's a headache for the government and for us as well. We can't go anywhere. 
An other resident, who didn't give his name, said the government should have ordered a lockdown at the estate earlier, adding that he had already stocked up on food and milk formula for his baby in case the family could not go out. A man surnamed Wen, meanwhile, said mandatory tests should be conducted on the residents. Sealing off the estate is going too far, but I think it is the right thing to do to conduct mandatory tests for most people. A man surnamed Young, he also lives at the estate, said he would cooperate with the authorities no matter what decisions they came to. The tightening of the coronavirus restrictions comes just ahead of the holiday season when people are usually busy going out buying presents and getting together with friends and family. But now the restaurants have to close from six and more businesses like gyms and beauty parlours are ordered to shut. How are people reacting? We spoke to some people who were out in Tamar Park. We won't be able to eat out because of the government's ban on gatherings of more than two people. And now that there's no more dining in after 6pm, there will be a higher chance of people inviting friends to their homes, which may further spread the virus. I do like to go out for dinner. It's usually the time that you see your friends. However, health is more important. If you don't follow the rules, there might not be another Christmas. And I think that's the thing you have to kind of uh, hold on to more than prioritizing your needs. I kind of anticipated they would start closing parlors, so I went to do everything before they closed. The dining rule for like restaurants at 6 p.m. as well, that kind of sucks because um, my brother's girlfriend's birthday is actually on Christmas and we were going to maybe go out for an, like a dinner somewhere, but because of the dining rule, we can't really do that anymore. So, like I said, we'll probably just stay at home. If my gym is closed on starting Thursday, I'll probably go to the harbor front to run or to the Happy Valley field to run. Those are my alternatives. Now when the weather's nice, uh, outdoors is really great too. Anna-Marie Evans asked the president of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades, Simon Wong, what the new restrictions mean for the restaurant industry. Well, simply it means a, a drop in business. <laughs> well, when we compare the measure in July this year, which is similar to the measure that the government uh, has imposed today, we saw that the business in July for the catering business has dropped by about 60%. That is uh, rather alarming at that time. And uh, a lot of uh, restaurants has been closed and there are a lot of people out of work. Today, the government uh, made this announcement and we are uh, very anxious about what would the government help our industry in a way that since this third round of the subsidy has been lifted and uh, there's, we still don't know uh, what the government uh, would uh, offer the helping hand to us. Although CE has announced that the government would further uh, check about uh, how the government can help us, but we hope that this kind of helping hand can uh, offer to us as soon as possible. Uh, otherwise, I, I'm afraid that the business owners cannot uh, sustain the business anymore. Yes, what sort of support will you be seeking? Well, there are a few types of uh, subsidies from the government. For example, um, the employment subsidy. Uh, the government can you know, help us with uh, uh, 50% of the, of the salary. And also, uh, the government can also roll out the third round or the fourth round. I, I, I really forgot because there are so many rounds of uh, uh, subsidies uh, to the catering industry by offering us some cash 
subsidies. For example, for the bigger restaurants, last time we received something like $250,000. For the smaller ones, we received $50,000. And this type of subsidies can at least help the industry owners uh, to pay rent and avoid the closing down of the business. I was going to say winter solstice is uh, surely one of the most busy times of the year for family meals. Yes, uh, December is the busiest month for the catering industry. Normally we do about uh, 11 to 12 billion uh, business for the whole month. But now, if uh, well, with this type of uh, restrictive measures, I'm afraid that our business will be dropped by about 65%. Um, that accounts for about uh, 7 to 8 billion of uh, business. Do you think that there will be more restaurants shutting down and more unemployment by the end of this month? I'm afraid that uh, about 1,000 uh, restaurants cannot endure anymore and they are well prepared to, to close down their business anytime if there's no subsidy from the government. And the un- unemployment rate, I'm also afraid that it may jump to uh, above 15.5% or even up to 16%. Like uh, in October, the government has also uh, reported that the un- unemployment rate for the uh, catering industry has gone up to 14.8%. So if the government do not uh, help us uh, to survive, then I'm afraid that the unemployment rate would be getting worse even. It's the crowning glory for many people, but in China, the hair colour you sport has to be black, certainly when it comes to university football teams. That rule played into the disqualification of a women's team before kickoff at a match over the weekend. BBC's Kerry Allen explains. Well, just before the match, the referee looked at both teams and apparently there's a rule at university-level football in China that hair dye is not allowed among players and several players from both teams were rejected from the match at the beginning because they violated this rule. So what happened was just before the match, all of these football players were told, you've got to quickly dye your hair, it's got to be black because they had different coloured hair. And one person's hair was still deemed not black enough after all these people had rushed out to get hair dye. And so the team was disqualified. It's quite unusual and it's prompted a lot of anger on Chinese social media platforms like Sina Weibo. A lot of people saying, well, this doesn't really affect the way you play football. So they see a problem with it. But there was a case actually last year where there was a cartoon in China, one that was targeted at little girls, which um, the characters in it had different rainbow coloured hair and somebody complained about this and this cartoon then needed to undergo rectification work because it was seen as potentially setting a bad example to young children that it might inspire them to be too different and and too out there and it might set a bad example for them in later life. I remember when I was living in China, bear in mind my hair is quite blonde brown, it was very difficult for me to buy hair dye. Um, I mean, originally, yeah, my hair was dyed, so I just wanted to top up my roots. And you go into shops and there's just all of the colours in the shop are basically black or very similar shades to black. The top leadership do dye their hair and it's very rare to see, I mean, for example, the president, Xi Jinping, his hair is black. And it's very rare to see, really, until people are touching 70 or 80 with grey hair. 
And finally tonight, a competitive form of breakdancing known as breaking is to be included in the Paris Olympics in 2024. It's the latest effort by the Games organisers to appeal to a younger audience. Here's the BBC's Alex Capstick. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an ode to the B-boy, B-girls, the people out there who do it for the love. A new sport and a new vocabulary for the Olympic movement. B-girls and B-boys, headspins and flares, downrock and stacking, all part of the breaking language. It follows a trend in which the IOC favours the inclusion of disciplines which it believes are more relevant for a younger audience. The organisers of Paris 2024 had pushed for breaking after being wowed by the tricks to transitions and the audience participation. It's colourful and great fun to watch, but also competitive, with individual athletes squaring off in what are known as battles. The winner is decided by a panel of judges. Munir Bieber, a world title-winning breakdancer from France, explains why the sport is a perfect fit for the Olympics. Breaking totally deserve its place. The IOC, and especially the French committee, they are looking to build the Olympic Games of the future, spectacular games and the games to the youth, a younger games. And breaking ticks all the boxes. It's spectacular. It's present all around the world in other countries. So it totally fits with this project. We are really looking forward for being in 2024 and to show the world what breaking really is. The IOC also decided to retain surfing, skateboarding and climbing after they make their debuts at the delayed Tokyo Games next year. The enthusiasm for these YouTube-friendly sports is because the IOC feared it was losing the youth market. The organisation's president, Thomas Bach, says they're moving in the right direction. The urban sport concept has been expanded, showcasing youth-focused events that are inclusive, engaging and uh, can be practised outside conventional sports arenas. But the extra sports doesn't mean there'll be more athletes. The IOC, which is trying to cut the cost of staging the Games, has capped the number of competitors in Paris to 10,500, down from more than 11,000 expected to be in Tokyo. The medal count has also been reduced. It's why a total of 41 proposals from existing Olympic federations to add new events were all rejected. The stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on ITHK earlier this evening. Robert Kemp from our newsroom. I will help fight the virus. I will protect Hong Kong. The government has launched the Leave Home Safe mobile app for everyone to download and keep visit records. Use the app to scan QR codes of venues taking part. Press the Leave button when you leave. Visit records will only be kept in your phone. If you went somewhere visited by a confirmed patient around the same time, the app will automatically alert you and give health advice. Use the app together. Feel at ease when going out. Let's fight the virus. Scan with Leave Home Safe. Live across Hong Kong. This is Radio 3. January to December. We'll have moments to Last nostalgia show is Ray Codero for a while until we get rid of this pandemic 19. Hubert Serenade. 
Schubert Serenade, played at the piano by Liberace. And now, 25 minutes to midnight. Let's say hello to Jim Reeves. Welcome to my world Won't you come on in 